great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What is going on in the wide, wide world of events? I am Paulina, your host for today's episode. My two other hosts weren't able to join me. They are otherwise preoccupied. Today is a big day at Cvent. We are celebrating Halloween. So you have Cinderella today in costume. And I'm really excited about today's guest. She is actually a former Cventer. So we have that lovely bond to share on today's conversation. But now that she's no longer with Cvent, she's really kind of forged this amazing path where she's known as a subconscious change expert and known for substantially shifting her clients' lives, the way they think about things. And so I think we're going to have a really eye-opening conversation today, a really creative conversation. I'd love to welcome Betsy Paik to the podcast today. I'd love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit more about what you're up to today and, and how it's a, a applicable to our our listeners. It feels it's a little homecoming coming on the show after all this time. You know, I was at Cvent, I was pregnant when I worked at Cvent and my daughter is about to turn 21. So, it has been a long time. I'm so happy to see everyone's success and it's just kind of thrilling to watch from the outside. But in the meantime, I have been building my own business and my own brand and I've dove in really into how people think and why they do the things that they do. And over the past 12 years, I've created a business where I am working not only as master mindset coach, but also I board certify coaches and therapists to become neuro-linguistic programming practitioners, hypnotherapists, emotional freedom technique practitioners, and a variety of other things. And in all of that, have just dove into human behavior. And I speak all over the country and talk about how to really up-level our lives and what I kind of call living big. Like, how do we live the biggest version of ourselves wherever we are? That is amazing. And I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking to themselves, how should I, you know, shift my mindset as I'm thinking about, you know, balancing career, maybe going back to the office, having children. So I feel like a lot of the things that you just touched on are going to be really relevant to um, some of our listeners today. I'm going to kick it off with a conversation. We've talked about this for, I feel like, decades now. Event professionals have an incredibly stressful job. We all are familiar with you know, how it falls in the top 10 most stressful jobs globally or whatnot. We have common stressors, common pain points across the job, whether you're a corporate event planner, you're a wedding planner, you work for an association, a tech company, right? I think we can all congeal some of those same stress points. What are some recommendations in terms of combating that from like a tactical lens, tactical view? I think there's absolutely some things that I want to share that you can do. But first, I want to just kind of preface it with why we actually are experiencing the world the way that we're experiencing it. So the work that I do is is typically on our unconscious mind. So if you think of your conscious mind, it's the part of you that's listening and, and you, Paulina, that's watching and, and probably thinking like, there's no way she has a 21-year-old, right? Like <laughs> that part of you that's consciously judging and thinking things 
right? <laughs> and then there's this unconscious part of you. And this is the part of you that not only is like running all of your organs and, you know, helping you breathe and all of those things, but it's also the things that are creating your habits, your responses to things, your triggers, the, the micro expressions on your face. It is the, the thing that is the biggest filter of how you're actually processing the world. So you've probably heard people say like, reality is created inside or reality isn't real or, you know, we've heard like these little memes about reality. But the truth is, is that each of our reality is created in that unconscious part of us, which is actually 95% of what we do. So if you think of this as a whole, there's 5% of me that's conscious. The 5% of me that says, I want today's event to go really well, right? The 5% that says, like, I'm doing the work, I'm creating the environment, I'm doing the behaviors that create a really great event. But the moment we're not thinking about those things, the 95% comes into action and takes over. So when something goes wrong, my conscious mind gets shoved to the side and my unconscious mind says like, oh my God, <laughs> this thing, this is so stressful or this is so overwhelming. Or I know I've done this before where I've been like, oh my God, why is this happening? <laughs> right? Like, why is this happening? And I think that as we look at this, it's just important to know that we can shift that unconscious, that part of us that we don't know anything about. We can make it conscious. And that is really where change happens. That's really where we start to become in control of our environment and of everything that's happening around us. Let me ask you a quick question, because I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this sort of methodology, if you will, of compartmentalization. And you're using the word shift and I compartmentalize sometimes some of the stress or the sadness or the anger. And I think probably all of us are, are able to sort of react to that and say, yeah, same here. But when you use the word shift, it kind of changes that conversation from that compartmentalization living somewhere. And then you're saying activate off of it almost. And I'd love to know, I'm trying to think of an example, but the night before the event, you know, I, I usually think that is probably one of the most stressful moments of event planner experiences. You think of all the what ifs. What's sort of like a tactical thing to combat the what ifs? Is it affirmations saying, I've already done that. I've planned for that. Is it creating a separate routine where you think about the night before the event in a different way? What are some sort of tactical, and I'm asking genuinely for myself. <laughs> It's interesting because when you said like, what if, and there was an expectation of like, what if something goes wrong or what if something gets out of hand, right? Like there is like that expectation of what if something happens, I don't expect and it's bad. And what I would offer is the night before, if you have that, where that's your typical thing, I go, oh my God, what if this doesn't work? Immediately tag on to that. So we already have habits in place and things that we do. So use those and say, okay, great. I just had that thought. Now I'm going to go, what if it goes exactly the way I wanted? How am I going to feel? Here's a trick is that our unconscious mind, it works off of metaphor, like pictures and stories and emotion. That's how it knows what's important to you, right? 
So when I go, oh, what if it, that doesn't, what if the mic doesn't work tomorrow? Or what if, right? Like something like that. Immediately I go, what if I feel so great? What if at the end I feel like this pride inside of me? Like what if it goes so great? I can feel people walking up to me and saying, that was a great event. Good job. Like get into the, the feeling. And I'm going to say like the vibration of that and embody that. Because now your mind is actually linking those things together. And the more that you do that, the stronger that link becomes. So the moment I have a bad thought, you know, we can't always just cut out all the bad thoughts, right? Like we're going to have them. That's our brain's way of protecting us. But then we can use them to think something else. I can think this thing and I can also get excited for how great it's going to go. So I would start to notice awareness is so huge, right? Bringing it into the conscious mind, the awareness of when you have a feeling or a thought or like a feeling of dread or that tenseness, that is a gift because it's telling you, I'm telling myself something that isn't aligned with what I want. And we have a lot of control over our thoughts, although sometimes it feels like thoughts are just happening. We actually, when we become intentional, and we become present, we can really, really start to harness that power. That was really wonderful. And I certainly intend to sort of shift the mindset to be more conscious of positivity and, and sort of less on the negative. I think what's interesting to also think about is those of us who manage teams, as a leader, it definitely starts with us to sort of create this reframing opportunity. And then also extending that to be in an environment that others wish to do the same, right? Because I feel like, you know, in such a team kind of oriented career or culture, what is it called? Group think or toxic positivity or just negativity can start to sort of brainwash the group. And I feel like it starts at the root cause. So exactly what you just mentioned, I think is great for those of us that lead teams. And then those of us that are sort of individual contributors, I think you just shared, you know, some of the tactical things that we can do for ourselves. What I'm thinking about now is, okay, I am instilling what you just shared with me on my own personal basis. How would you communicate that to maybe younger team members or team members who really kind of lean into the negative? Is there something, is there a particular tactic or advice or a way to sort of frame up that conversation that can be had that can say, hey, let's think about it this way instead of that way? Obviously, those words come naturally, but is there something beyond that in the conversation that we can extend to individuals? I think that when we think about leadership, I think there's a shift in leadership right now. Whereas before, five years ago, 10 years ago, before COVID, there was leaders and they would tell you what you needed to do and you would follow the leader. But now people want authentic leadership. They want people who are talking openly about the hard things and the good things, right? They want to be able to follow someone that's really worth following. And I think when you have somebody on your team that is struggling with the negativity or just feeling down about things, the number one thing that I would say is that that I believe is an attempt for perfection that I want to do. I want to do well. Like I, I, and something, and I always go back to like when we're little kids, cause our unconscious minds are created and all of our values and all of our beliefs are created when we're really young up to, up to when we're about seven years old. So 
I always think when I'm working with someone that's challenging, I think like what's happened to them that made them think they had to be perfect, that made them think that they've got to be scanning for something to go wrong because if something goes wrong, it's catastrophic. And if I'm coming at it at that from that point of view as a leader, it's so much more authentic and it's really coming from a place of, I want to support you. And I want you to get what you need so you feel like you're doing the best job and that we recognize it. And right now, it seems like you're so worried about something going wrong. And I think even that conversation of, this is a safe place to fail. I know this might sound crazy because you're like, on an event day, we cannot fail. But if you're setting up times before, right, where this is a safe place to fail, it's a safe place to share ideas and for us to bat those ideas around and to come up with innovative ways to do different things, then when you get to event day, that's already been established. There's a trust. They're following you because you're worth following. And there is a different dynamic there. So I think when we've got somebody that's a really a big struggle, I I always say like, we are like disco balls. Okay. This is how I, this is how I describe this to my, to my own daughter. We're like a disco ball. You know, if you look at a disco ball, sometimes you see a shiny mirror and sometimes it looks black depending on where you're oriented to the disco ball. So if somebody's disco ball, you're like, that looks a little black. I don't like that. I want the shiny disco ball. We can always turn inward and say, there's a way that I'm looking at this that I need to shift so that I can be a better support and really be a leader that's authentic that they can follow. So I always come back to me with these kinds of things. And then how can I spread that out to the team? I think that's invaluable, to be honest. And and just recently thinking about how, you know, our team is now back in office and, you know, some of the things that we're so used to or so accustomed to leading, leading with via through the lens of the computer, doing it in person, body language, like you mentioned earlier, all of that is so much more in play. And so I I certainly just found a ton of value in what you just shared. Another thought, like just as we're talking about, like what do people need? Like an event day is a stressful thing. It's like you're coming to the culmination of all this hard work and everyone's going to see all that you've done or didn't do, right? Like there's this thing. Another thing I wanted to offer was and for your teammates, the day before, two days before, ask your teammates, what do you need? What do you as a person need to feel supported as we move into this event? Because on that event day, you're going to be going straight, right? It's going to be like flat out, like racing around. What do you need to feel supported? And anytime I know when I go and I give a speech, The night before, I'm always like, what do I need to feel supported? Because I'm going to go and I'm going to give all my energy to the group, right? I'm going to leave it all there. So tonight, I need a bath. I need, like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever that is that I need. I need to meditate. I need to write in my journal. I need to go to my husband and say, I need you to tell me how great tomorrow is going to be so that I can hear it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever that is. And it could be something... They'd never thought of before, but what do I need? And to ask your teammates, what do you need to feel supported? That's a great point because we think about, you know, before our major events, we have what we call the war room and we got to come up with a better title than that. But that's sort of where the team goes in and that's sort of where we're set up to discuss strategy, talk about day of planning, talk about contingency plans, but also kind of share 
anecdotal feedback, real-time feedback, positive, negative, what have you, constructive. And I think it's also about what I think you just articulated, which is wonderful, is the awareness and and the communication, being able to communicate exactly how you feel or what you think you need, but also creating a space for a larger group to feel comfortable with that communication. So like you mentioned, as you are designing your spaces for events, maybe it's a matter of, hey, to ensure that the team is going into this with as clear of a mind or as healthy of a mindset that we can afford them, let's think about what that staff office looks like? Does the staff office have sort of ambient lighting or does it have the lighting that I'm sitting under right now, like extremely harsh? Or, you know, is there like a quiet versus the communication corner so that there can be separate areas for different on-site priorities? So I'm thinking about this almost like at a very tactical level because there's so much goodness from what you're saying that can be implemented and certainly serve event professionals in such a positive way. I think Everything you just mentioned is is super helpful. I think one thing I wanted to also tap into because we did speak briefly before today's episode and I just, my mind was exploding with the conversation, but I feel like we're all juggling this work-life balance and in particular event professionals. I feel like a lot of us get called to be personal event professionals, whether it's with our groups of friends, whether it's with our siblings or our families, extended families. And so you and I were were kind of going back and forth on this. As we get into sort of holiday season and events, it's budget season for event professionals. It's we're rounding out Q4 with all of our events and activations. But on top of that, we're compounded with the holiday experience. And I can certainly attest from my perspective, this innate feeling or this pull to to be the one to help get the family together or you know select the venue for the friends giving what have you and it's this added layer of gosh i feel like the job doesn't end and a lot of what i'm saying i think speaks to that shifting mindset compartmentalization conversation we started with at the beginning but i'm sure tons of listeners are kind of feeling the beginning workings of this compounded stress that the job doesn't leave the desk it extends to the dinner table and i'd love for you to kind of just share your thoughts on that i think that there's two different things there is every single thing that happens to us that gives us stress or overwhelm it is and i'm going to say it in this way i'm using air quotes so you might not be able to see <laughs> but it is a story right? It's the story that we tell ourselves about the thing. And so when that happens, we might be telling ourselves, I have to do this. They're asking me, they just expect me to, like, this is always falls on my shoulders. And, and all of that might feel like your reality. And that's the story that you tell yourself. So the flip side of that is that there's always another story. The story could be my family and friends see how great I am at this. And they, They think that this is my God-given skill and that I'm so great at it that they want to experience that greatness, right? So we can change how we think about it and we can go, you know what, if I'm going at it from that, instead of I have to do this, they expect me to do this. If I'm going at it from, they want to tap into like the greatness that is me and all of that, then all of a sudden I can feel empowered to say, yeah, I am great at this. I'm going to do this part of it. I'll leave you guys to do that part. Do you see how like when I'm going at it from a point of this is what I do and I'm really great at it. I know I have had friends that will want to go out to coffee with me, but really they want me to coach them. And then we get to coffee 
And then I'm like, so I didn't want you to think I just wanted you to coach me, but I have this problem, right? So they're really saying, really, I want you to coach me. I think they think I'm so great at this and they love my opinion. And so what I say is, I really want to spend some time with you and I've got some things in my life I want to share too. So why don't we talk for a minute and I'll see if I can give you some different perspective and then we can talk about some other things. And I think we can do that same thing when it comes to holiday parties. You know, whether it's with our teams or with our friends, we can have courageous conversations. I say this sometimes to my daughter. We've got to have a courageous conversation. Are you ready? And that means, yeah, that means we can say anything. We can be open and that we know that what I'm about to say, I'm saying with love, but it might feel like a lot, right? Like it might seem harsh, but this is my truth. And so we can say that. I got to have a courageous conversation. I do this all the time and I love you and I want to be able to help and I can do this part of it, but can you figure out how to figure out the rest? And that way you feel like you're helping and you don't have to take it all on. I love it. Reframing how you tell the story of hosting Friendsgiving, reframing how your family is asking you to help host Christmas or Hanukkah or all of the holidays that happen this season, right? It's they acknowledge you're good at what you do and it's you just need to accept that is your great skill and it's a contribution at a larger scale with your family or friends. So I think that's really beautiful. I think you touched on some of those those things that many of us juggle during this this complicated season. But I do want to share one quick tidbit of information. This is a part one webisode. We are intending to do a part two with Betsy later in the year. And we would like to talk more about how to live a healthier life in 2023, how to goal set in a maybe more creative way that doesn't require going to the gym. I think we made that kind of joke. So definitely want to plug that for our future conversation. But Betsy, really enjoyed the conversation with you today. Would love to kind of just ask, what are you know the top two tips or pieces of advice that you'd like to share with our, our listeners today as it relates to having that courageous conversation with both yourself and people that are important to you, family, friends, team, colleagues, be alike. Here's one thing that I really want to say is I want you to think, and especially as we're rounding out the year, right? You're going to these events with family. All these things are happening. How do you want to feel? Like if I run into you at Starbucks and it's December 31st and your events for the year are done and your family stuff is done. And I say to you, how was it? And you say, oh my gosh, it was amazing. And then I want to ask you what had to happen in your personal life and your professional life for it to be amazing. What had to happen for that to, to take place? And if you think through that question, it's going to tell you how to proceed for the next two months, right? It's going to tell you all the things that you're going to need to know. And I think one of the big things, the second part of this is that's going to tell you what's right for you. That's going to tell you what is in alignment with you so that you can actually keep your energy so that you have the energy to run events and to be the one. And that when you're doing things that are in alignment with you and things that make you feel happy and things that bring you joy, right? Then you're able to kind of shift and contain that energy so that you have enough to go around. So ask yourself, what would have had to have happened for the last two months to have been really great? I absolutely love that advice. I will certainly take that back with me and create some kind of work back plan so I can go into these next two months super strong. 
Thank you so much, Betsy, for part one of our amazing chat with you today. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed our chat today and found some inspiration to take with you to better implement your programs, to have a better and healthier work-life balance. This conversation will certainly continue. Hope you all can join us for the second one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by CBUM. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.